we're going to be looking in the book of Ephesians in a little bit, but just just to kind of introduce a little bit, uh, to let you know what goes on in other portions of the world, uh, in Malawi, in reference to this epidemic going on, this virus, uh, I've been in touch with Maxwell, and Maxwell mentioned that, and I read an article on the news, and this is, this is one thing that all of us can do if you have access to the internet. You can check up on what's going on in other countries in terms of this pandemic. And uh, in Malawi, there was going to be, they were going to do a kind of a lockdown, and, uh, which could be disastrous. I mean, you know, what, what we do here is one thing. What they do in other countries is a different thing. <clears throat> but in, uh, Maxwell said that, you know, and I read on this article uh, what Maxwell was saying. He said, well, in essence, they're giving you a choice. <laughs> You can either die from the pandemic or you can die from starvation. <laughs> well, if you check on, check the statistics, the number of people that are infected compared to the number of people that die is very, very small. Just because you get it doesn't mean you're going to die. And, and so sometimes I think the wrong Emphasis is looked at all the time and repeated all the time. Uh, the flu, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that have always died every year from the flu for as long as I can remember. I mean, when I was small and a, not even a teenager, I had the flu, flu of that day. And uh, I don't know how many died because I never paid attention to it. But uh, sometimes watch out for the news and what you're reading. And remember, there's always a positive side as well as a negative side. More people live through that pan this pandemic than die from it. It's always been that way. But uh, anyway, uh, James, you remember James Dwyer? Uh, friend of mine that I met when I was in Africa, and James gives me this update. We've been following James because uh, James has been, uh, he's, re he's really at the doorstep of having a wife right now. Uh, they've already had the, the, the civil marriage, uh, they, they've had that, and now they're waiting. He, they, set, they set themselves aside and they wait for the man of God to pronounce them married before they live together. And so it's different. And this is over in Rwanda. James says, uh, hello, Sakuru and Brother Ken. And Sakuru is uh, the, the name, the, the title that has been given to Carl Natrum. Sakuru means grandfather. And he is the respected individual in, uh, in the family. And he's looked at uh, for major decisions, and what he says, in a sense, is law, and uh, they follow that, and so he is, he's their spiritual leader that they recognize, and he's, so he addresses both of us. He says, this coming Monday, the government will open uh, up some businesses and transportation. Other things are still closed because affected people are increasing, so the number of people with, uh, with the virus is increasing, it seems, some. 
but they are doing this, they're opening up things because people are so hungry. They want to see them move a bit to find how to survive. I get opportunity to move to Western to bring my wife. Now, you notice this is a little broken English, and so he, it's not his first language. Uh, so he said he's got to move to the Western part of the country to, to get his wife to bring, because in our culture, I'm supposed to go and bring her here to my parents one day before the wedding. The wedding are not yet allowed. Weddings are not allowed as yet in the country because of the, the virus. And uh, let's see. And people are advising me to continue my wedding in a simple way because there is no proof that things will be so fine soon. Better I keep on. At least now I have opportunity to bring my bride here. But this opportunity will, be last, will only last two weeks. Uh, if they find obstacles, they will close again. For everyone during a long period, we don't know. Thank you much. Uh, please keep praying for me. It's true God is making ways for me. I got a civil wedding before five days here to close everything. My bride uh, went to register my wedding. It's supposed to take three months waiting. They changed it to one week. Now when wedding is closer, God has opened a bit uh, a way for my wife to come here and Pastor Kamana uh, to come and pray for us. Please keep praying for me. God is in control. Always I got some obstacle in my progress, but I know the devil is fighting. But the prayers is the key for everything. Thank you so much. I'll keep you informed. You all, uh, the progress, God bless. That's from James. And uh, it's interesting, you know, the, uh, the things like this that go on, how cultures are different, and uh, different things are different in other places of the world and uh, James has become a special individual in my life because I've had personal contact with him, and he's been an inspiration to me. And one of, I feel, one of my ministries is uh, being an inspiration to him because uh, in the exploits that he has done for the Lord, uh, it's weighed on him heavily. He gets discouraged, and so we encourage one another. And that is one, I believe, one of the responsibilities that we have as Christian believers, that we can are, are to encourage one another as we go along the way. Uh, uh, Dale Barkubine, uh, at least, I don't know if it's still that way. They might have eased up a little bit. But with Dale, he was allowed to come outside of his house in, uh, uh, where he's at, <laughs> And uh, that he could come out of the house, and but if he left the yard, he could be shot dead. Why? Because he's old, and they don't want him out of the yard. And so, uh, uh, who knows? Maybe some of that will come our way here in America, too. I mean, things do get nasty, and uh, no telling what the governments will do. Well, in light of things as uh, they develop today already, I appreciate Mark's lesson, and this is uh, just information for those on the Internet. If you do not tune in for uh, Sunday school, you can 45 minutes before 
Uh, we start the meeting here at quarter to ten our time. Uh, Mark starts the Sunday school, and uh, he's going through the book of Revelation. For those of you that may not be tuning in, you might be interested. I'd encourage you to go to that because uh, we are in Revelation days. <laughs> we are in Revelation days. And what Mark is sharing with us is, uh, to me, is, is such a blessing and most encouraging too. Uh, and to understand that God has things in control. I wanted to share this with you. I hadn't planned on doing this, but reminding us, all of us, that in the book of Genesis, we find the beginning of God starting his plan and revealing his plan to us. At least this aspect about uh, the place of the earth and the importance of people and what God has established. He established the earth. He put man on the earth. He created Adam and Eve and uh, with a purpose in mind, with a plan in mind. It's an eternal purpose. It was done. It was set into place back in eternity, well before time was, was uh, established as we know it today. And so when God started, he started with a plan, and he, had, and he has an eternal purpose uh, involved in that plan. We go to the book of the Revelation, and we find the culmination and I love what it says in uh, chapter 21, uh, chapter 20, where it talks about God uh, is going to have, a, is going to bring into existence the new heavens and the new earth. And the beauty of that thing is the statement that really captivates me and, and uh, it just, it hasn't left me. And it, it, it catches my attention, it mesmerizes my mind and my heart every time I think of it. God will dwell with his people. Now we go back to the book of Genesis. We find that truth is already stated in Genesis. In the garden, God dwelt with Adam and Eve. They communed together. They got together. And you can move from Genesis all the way through uh, to the book of the Revelation, and you see that same scenario. You see the same thing mentioned time and time again, the same picture. You see God dwelling with his people. And so it's nothing new. And in days like today, uh, when things just seem to go haywire and everything's going in, in such strange directions, and, and uh, what's going on? God's plan is going to be fulfilled. And Satan cannot stop it. Satan does. Satan takes a stand against everything that God is doing and God intends. And we can see that throughout our culture. We can see that in our government. We can see that in the movements that, that, that have been pulling America away from the things of God. And we need to be reminded that we are in a battle zone, a spiritual battle zone, and we need to be reminded that God has, these things are planned out. They're told us in the, in the word of God. And we have his word on what's going to happen. 
And so we don't have to fear. God tells us how to respond and how to act. Yea, we need to obey the authorities over us, but yet God is the supreme authority. And make sure you keep your authorities in mind and in heart and in the proper order so that you know who you are to be obeying. So God started things with a plan and a purpose. And we don't have to worry. We don't have to fret. God has given us the instruction manual on how to live our life. The just shall live by faith. That, that, that statement is so true. And it has never changed. No matter what situation we find ourselves in, no matter what kind of obstacles come our way, how are we to live? We're to live by that principle, faith. Our faith in God. And what He has told us in His Word. And we're going to be tested and tried all the way through our lives because God is working in us. Oh, I wish we could all get, not just get a head knowledge about that, but that we would get a, a, a heart that pants after the things of God and know how true these words are because of who they come from. Have faith in God. Just a simple statement. But, but that's a statement that, that, that will carry you and me all the way through our living life. We're to have faith in God. Because without faith in Him, there's nothing we can do that'll please Him. What is He looking for in your life and in my life? It's faith in Him. Not in our government. Not in our social security. Not in our medical establishment. I marvel. <laughs> we go back and we say, well, these are scientific guys. These are educated guys. These are guys that are specially trained in the medical field and we should listen to them. But, but none of them seem to be on the same page. There seems to be a little discrepancy. They're not, they don't all believe the same thing. You look at our, our diet. The, the, the food pyramid. How many times that thing has changed over the years that I've been alive? And these are supposed to be the experts that set this up, but they just seem to, well, we got to shuffle the deck again, you know. We got to rearrange the order. We got to put some new things in and take some things out. That's man. That's man's at, at his best, and man at his best is confused, as I see it at least. But God's not confused, because God has it planned out. One of the books of the Bible that, that has stirred my heart and, and really opened up my mind to, to, to get a hold of some important truths are found in the book of Ephesians. 
There's so many books. The book of Colossians chapter 3. Boy, God whipped me on that one one day. And that was, that was great. At 1 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, uh, that, that's a tremendous chapter in the Word of God. But I can't minimize any portions of the Word because now I, I, the more I open it, wherever, I, wherever my pages open up, I, there's such a, such a mirage of valuable, special truth that God shares with us. And it doesn't just speak to my head, it speaks to my heart because it inspires me. It, it, it causes me to, to marvel at the things of God and what He has said. But we come to Ephesians. It can be easily broken down into three, three uh, sections. The first section, there's the wealth of the Christian. What wealth we possess because of Christ, who we have entered into relationship and fellowship with. Scripture tells us that we are, we're in Christ. We have been placed inside him. Then it tells us that Christ is in us. God of very God dwelling within us. And that, that, that was pictured all the way back. I believe it's a picture of, of uh, Adam and Eve in the garden with Christ in the garden. Now, whether the invisible God that no man can see without dying, whether that was his presence there, I have a tendency to think it was the pre-incarnate Christ that was there in the garden that they could see, because that's pretty much what we see all the way through Scripture. Whenever man had a contact with God, there was always that visage that was there. Think back about Moses in the burning bush. He heard a voice. The bush, he saw the bush burning. But inside the bush, there was a visage. The three aspects that make up God. The three persons of the Godhead. Right there. But Christ, now God tells us that, that the Spirit of God dwells within us. God dwelling with His people. Just, just let that meditation go through your mind and, and meditate on that for, for a good period of time. And let that sink in, not, not, not just into the head as a fact, but into the heart as a reality. There's the wealth that we have as a Christian. And then it talks about, Paul talks about the walk that we should have because we're in Christ. Our walk is important. It's important for us to know the wealth that we possess because we are a child of God. Because now we are a son of God. But then our walk...
And our walk encompasses not just what our feet do, it encompasses what our hands do, it encompasses our mind, it encompasses our spirit. We're to walk in the Spirit by the leading of the Spirit of God. Be a pandemic or no pandemic, we're to walk by the Spirit of God, by His leadership. And so our walk is so vitally important. Our ministry is involved in that. Our, our ability. But you need to realize that whatever you do, whatever is done for God that's going to count is done by God through you because you surrendered yourself to Him. Otherwise, it's of no value. There's nothing good. When God said there's nothing good within the flesh, he meant exactly that. There's nothing good that can come out of the flesh. The only thing of any value to God is what God can do through us. But then the warfare. The order. The order that, that the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, set out this, the course of this book. Our wealth in the Lord. The walk with the Lord. And then the warfare that comes up. Warfare. Warfare has always existed since the rebellion of the angelic realm in the heavenlies. It's always existed. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. After all that Paul has said about the wealth and the walk of the Christian, he comes up to this, this last portion. And he says in verse 10, and here's a, this isn't a new this isn't new scripture, a new passage that, that, that's obscure. No, you probably have heard more messages. You've read this passage more times than not. But we need to be reminded of what God is telling us here because of the seriousness of the matter. And the value of this information. In verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Two areas, two areas that each and every Christian needs to be caught up with. We need to be strong in the Lord. Not in ourselves, because in ourselves, in this flesh, we are weak. We are pathetic. But you take us out of this and you place us into Christ. That's different. Is there any sin in Christ? No. No, there is no sin in Christ. So when we recognize and we see ourselves in Christ and we know we're in Christ, in that sense, we cannot sin because sin will not dwell in his presence. 
But in this flesh, when we're not walking by the Spirit, then in this flesh, if we walk by the flesh, yeah, we're going to struggle all the way through and we're going to fight. That's going to be a battle, battleground. That's going to be a fighting place for us. But we're told to be strong in the Lord, not in ourselves, but we have strength in His power. Know the power that God has in Christ that He's given to us, and so we have a power that is God-centered and God-empowered that, that enables us to overcome anything that the world throws our way. And in his power and in his might, there is no might greater than his. So we are to be strong. And then in verse 11, it says we're to put on the armor of God, the whole armor of God. He has provided an armor for us so that we can be and we can do warfare against the devil. Against those that are against God. Not only are we to be strong, but we're to know how to stand. We're able to stand. We're not able, you're not able to stand without the armor of God on. That's how important this is. This isn't just a, a VBS lesson. This isn't just something that, 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 that we have to get kids excited about because they can put on the helmet, they can put on this arm. No, 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 no. It goes far beyond that. The spiritual truth, the value of what's being said here, the armor that God says is important for us, we have to see that and, and deem it as so. And if we don't, then we're short-sighted. Then we got a weak view of God. We need to be able to stand. We're expected to stand. But there are many a Christian that does not stand and cannot stand because they haven't built, they, they don't have the armor of God. They have not access, made themselves accessible to the armor of God. And the armor of God comes through the truths of the Word of God. Verse 12 talks about our warfare. Here's where the start is. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now notice what's stated there. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not saying that we're going to have we're not going to have adversity in our lives. No, it's going to be there. That, that's a guarantee. If you're, to, if you're walking in a way that's pleasing God, you're going to be walking in a way that's displeasing Satan, and you can be assured that he's going to be at your doorstep, or he's going to have emissaries that's going to be standing and confronting us along the way, and that's the way it goes. Look at what God has given to us that we might be successful for Him. 
not just for us. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not, we don't wrestle against one another. But it's against principalities, it's against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, of this worldly age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And boy, I'll tell you, that in itself needs to be understood and, and, and seen and known. This is a large, organized battle that's been established by Satan himself to work against the things of God. Now notice a few things in this passage. Well, we can, we can go to... Go to the book of Colossians chapter 1. I, I hate going here because I have a tendency, I, I get the tendency to, to, to want to camp out here in Ephesians 1, uh, in, in Colossians chapter 1. Talks about, in verse 16, it talks about, By him were all things created that are in heaven, in the heavens and that are in the earth, visible and invisible. All of those things were created by him. The invisible things that we cannot see are created by him. The angelic realm, that's been created by God. The heavens, that's been created by God. We can't see those things, but we can know that they're there because God says they're there. Whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him, and I love this, for him. It's not about you, not about me. It's about him. Not about we, and I use a little broken English, and I say it's about he. We learned that. We picked that up when we were in Trinidad. That, that kind of interesting for them down there. But they were all created by him and for him. He is before all things. By him all things consist and we are in him. Never forget who you are in. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've never put your faith in what God has declared to be true about Him and what He has done in His Word, then you're not in Him. You're out of Him. And none of this pertains to you. At least not this, the glorious stuff that's recorded here. But when you're born again, this is ours. This becomes ours. We were created by Him and for Him. Not for ourselves. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is. He and He alone is the head of the body. The church 
And, and, and these are important truths, doctrinal truths that we need to understand and know. That's why we have to be in the Scripture. We need to ponder. We need to pour ourselves into the Word of God so we can learn the value of this. That's why it's important for us to, to attend Sunday school so we can learn more. That's why it's important for us to, to be in church. All of these are just parts of that which God has ordained for us, that we might know Him, come to know Him. And, and it's not just about Him. We get in the book and we learn the facts and we learn all how, how to organize and, and, and structure the Scriptures and that. But, that. but it's only telling us about Him. To know Him you have to be walking with Him. You have to be living with Him. He has to be on your mind and on your heart. He is the head of the body. The church. Who's the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. That in all things He might have the preeminence. Not me. Not the deacons, not any, not any, no physical person, him and him alone. And so we come back to Ephesians 6 and he says, when, when we come to that standpoint where we see ourselves in this position and, and we see ourselves aligned with him, we are in him, then this is what's going to happen. And that's why we need to be in him. And he needs to be in us. Because without that situation, we would lose any battle. We, we wrestle against these, those that are not flesh and blood, but those that are in positions of powers, principalities, Rulers of the darkness. Notice that. Why, why does he refer to rulers of the darkness? Because in contrast, God, you go through the scripture and you see that God is light. And that contrast between light and darkness appears all the way through scripture. The importance of being in the light. Because the rulers of of the darkness of this age against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is beyond what, where we live right now, physically. The battle is higher. And notice it says, we wrestle. We, that's plural. So it's not talking about me personally. Now there is a personal battle that we each fight. We have the personal battles in our own lives that we fight, that we have to wrestle with, with the sources of darkness. But not in this, in this passage, the we, it's a corporate. He's talking about the church the head, the body, the body of Christ. We together, as the body of Christ, we together, as a church, as a group, we together are in a battle 
against these spiritual powers. And it's important to recognize that because we need each other in order to help us be successful in this battle that we are involved in. And it's higher than us. It's higher than this planet. It reaches up into the heavens. And so flesh and blood, fists fist and knives and uh, uh, weaponry, rockets, bombs, that's not what it's about. They, they won't touch the heavens where this battle goes on. And so we have to be specially equipped. And so we can read about all the equipment that God has given to us. And it's vital and necessary and important that we get a hold of these, each of these aspects and see the value and the importance of each piece of armor. And it's not just to make a happy sermon or... No, this is for real living and real warfare, spiritual warfare. That you and I are involved in, whether we see it or not, whether we recognize it or not, whether we accept it or not, we are in it. And so he tells us, Take you the whole armor that you may be able to withstand the evil of the day. And if you don't have all the armor and you're not, you don't know what that armor is to do, you don't know the spiritual truth, the teaching in the Word of God and God's Word concerning each piece of this armor, then you need to get into the book and you need to find out. Because without it, you will not be successful as a Christian. Standing, having your loins girded, in verse 14, with truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. <laughs> there's the physical. There's the physical that's pictured. But then there's the spiritual that is intended. Gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Without faith. Without faith, you and I are nothing. We cannot do anything. We're a prime target by not exercising faith in the things of God. We're a prime target, an easy target for Satan to destroy. And then he talks in verse 16 about the shield of faith because it's the shield of faith that's going to that's quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And believe me, he's got some fiery darts that can come your way that can do great damage to your life and it can take you out. And many a Christian are succumbed, by the way, because they don't pay attention. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That Take, and we can carry it. Society has turned against 
people carrying the word of God. You can't carry it to school anymore, not to public schools. Go to a public college and you'll find the same. Get ridiculed. And so this matter of what we need, what you need, what I need, and we need together because we're in a work for God together. We might have individual little spots that we work, have our own contribution, but together it's God's work. Then in verse 18, praying, praying always with all prayer, supplication in the spirit, in watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The value of prayer in a Christian's life. I honestly believe that a Christian is of little value if they have little prayer in their life. And we are. Why? Because prayer is the instrument that God has given to us that can change the world because it changes things in the heavenlies. And when Daniel prayed, God got the angelic realm busy. Prayer changes things. Think back of 2 Chronicles with my people will call upon my name and pray, confessing their sins and pray. Hey, that's how, oh yeah, that was for Israel, that, that was zeroed in for Israel. But the truth is that it also applies to us if God's people, if God's people, Old Testament time or New Testament time, if God's people, God hears. He says, I will answer. And Revival, we pray for revival. And it's good to pray for revival for our nation, in our churches, for the people within our churches. But where, where will revival ever start? There's only one place that revival can start. The fire has to start someplace. And the question is, who? If not you, who? And I come to think about that. Who needs revival? We all do. We all do. And it will, just a match starts a fire. But it grows. 
California is known for its hot fires. I've been there, lived there, gone through them. Used to be able to stand down in the valley and look at the mountains and, and see the smoke rise. Sometimes it was that the fire was even so hot in, in portions that you could see the flames shoot up. I mean, from miles and miles and miles away. But it didn't start that way. It started with just one little spark, one little cigarette, one little match, one little campfire, but it got out of control. I kind of see revival as such. If you want to see revival, you need to see that it needs to start with you. God said with Isaiah, I saw for a man to stand in the gap. And Isaiah was the one to stand up. Say, send me. It makes no difference whether your neighbor wants revival. They may talk about it and may say they want to see it. But they're looking for something. I don't believe revival is so that we can see something, per se, in the masses. Revival is an element that needs to start in me. If nobody else comes, fine, but I want to be like Isaiah. Nobody else has to join. But it needs to start. If it doesn't start with you, it may never start. But it can catch. It can affect other people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against those in the high places. And you go through the book of Ephesians. You can go back now and go back through the book of Ephesians. And, and you can see all sorts of things pop up about this battle zone. It's the work of God that's at stake. It's not just us. Everything was created by him and for him. And we cannot forget that. When we do forget that, then we're off the track. We're off the beaten path. We're not running in the same race that God is running in, that God has for us to run in. How are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing with what God has entrusted unto you? And then what are we doing? Because it's not good enough that we just run by ourselves. No, we, we work together. It's a together thing. It's a body thing. When Christ left the earth and ascended into the heavens, then he sent the Spirit down to create the body, to start to build the body of Christ so that the work of God 
will go on and permeate throughout the world. Where are we today? Where are we personally? Where are we? Who do we work with? It's not a lone bandit thing. It's not just me, myself, and I. No, it's we. How do we work together? What burden do we carry? Do we need to carry the same burden for the work of the Lord? To be on the same page. And it's not about us. Not about me. It's only about He. And so, Father, let your word stir our hearts. Let it create a fire within us that as we look at a world that seems to be so rejecting of all the things that are glorious and good that you have to offer. Father, may that change. Change our hearts, our minds, our passions, not for the things of the world, but for the, that which you have to offer us. Have your will and way in each heart and each life. And stir us that we might be a light in an area of darkness. And Father, let, let our hearts be the source, the beginning place in a reviving spirit that we might go and that we might follow the directing of your spirit into what we must do for your glory. For we ask it in the name of Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen.